What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode eight of the Gino Spirito podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Today is Monday, January 18th. Um, t- you know, I hope you all had a blessed weekend. I hope you guys were all having a good Martin Luther King Day. If you haven't already, I highly suggest you, you know, read some articles, watch some videos on the man, because today that is exactly what me and my fam have been doing. And it really has, um, done nothing but you know just give me motivation to keep fighting for what i believe in in my life and you know keep us you know keep voicing my opinions and um you know just my thoughts on literally anything i can think of because you know the worst thing that you can do is allow other people to allow other people to um have your voice and i think um today has really I mean, not to say I haven't known this forever, but I think today just watching all these videos and clips um, and just learning from Martin Luther King, I I think um, that's definitely one of the biggest things that I can take away from it. And one of the biggest things I can, you know, suggest to you is, you know, continue to use your voice. Don't ever feel, you know, like somebody, uh, you know, has it from you because that's you know, that's exactly when you start becoming weak as a person. That's exactly when you don't feel like you belong. So, I, you know, everybody has, has a voice for a reason. You know, if, if one person had everybody's voices, then we all wouldn't be here. So, you know, I highly suggest you watch the man. He, he was definitely, you know, just something else and very, very inspiring figure. Um, you know, definitely deserving of this day and um, of the remembrance of his legacy. So, yeah. Um, you know, without further ado, there's, there's plenty of football news, plenty of, uh, basketball news that I want to talk about, um, that's been on my mind and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for episode eight. I, you know, thank you again for tuning in, but let's, let's get into it. Um, you know, obviously this weekend was the division round games, um, for the NFL. Uh, we had a slate of four games, you know, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. I, I thought that they lived up to the expectations. Um, but at the same time, um, they were, you know, they were all right. I, I think um, it was definitely better than wild card weekends. Uh, but I feel like most of the teams um, that I chose, I, I chose three of four teams that were right. So I, I was right on that. But the, these games are good. Let's start with the, the Packers and the Rams. I mean, the Packers uh, beat the uh, the Rams 32 to 18. But I mean, going into this game, uh, you know, it was definitely the matchup of uh, strength versus strength. You know, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about, um, you know, it's, it, it, these storylines of like, you know, strength versus strength is always like, oh, this is the number one offense versus the number two offense or, um, you know, the number one defense versus, uh, the number two defense, you know, something that's similar in that way. But the fact that this game, um, was the number one offense versus the number one defense was a huge storyline. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the Packers offense being in first for efficiency points per game, touchdowns and QBR, like I've mentioned before, and then the Rams defense being in first in all of those categories, but QBR, they're second in that one. Um, so yeah, going into this game, I, I was really excited for, you know, what, uh, that could bring, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey and Devonte Adams, what a storyline that was. They those two got into it pregame. Devonte Adams saying that he was just telling Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, he's not like any of the receivers that he's seen, and it was it's all it's all love and respect. But he just wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, but I mean, just like MJ with his tongue out, you know, Kobe Jersey by, uh, you know, that Aaron Rodgers grin, um, you know, as he looks on at your defense is very scary as the Packers did cruise to a victory. Aaron Rodgers was uh he went for 20 he was 23 for 36 for 296 yards and two touchdowns, one of those or an additional rushing touchdown. And I mean that rushing touchdown was, you know, definitely one of those plays where um it's just a momentum killer, you know what I mean? This it's it just like Lamar how you have to respect um, the, his legs, you know, you, you have to, um, you know what I mean? Account for the fact that he can throw, he can, you know, he can put a dime every once in a while, as much as people want to criticize him for it. But at the end of the day, you, you have to play to his strength of his legs. You know, Aaron Rodgers strength is obviously his arm. You know, he's arguably the most accurate passer in NFL, in NFL history. 
um and the fact that he did that pump fake you see the defense completely shift the man in front of him jump and boom he gets in with his, his legs what a, what a game by him and i mean the three-headed monster of the packers rushing offense was in my opinion um, what won the Packers the game? I mean, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon all had a tremendous game. They it was it was a total. They rushed for 32 times and 191 yards, and uh, you know they had one rushing touchdown between the two of them. And I mean, you know that they were saying that that was the first uh, game all season where all three of them were you know suited up, healthy to play. I mean, A.J. Dillon had a breakout game against um, t the Titans on uh, Sunday Night Football Week 16. So, yeah, that was that was a definitely a very dominant game by those three. I, I felt like um, Matt LaFleur had a great game plan of uh, mixing it up with the run, with that run, which allowed that play action and Aaron Rodgers on the move, which is just extremely dangerous and lethal to kind of open up. And I mean, it helps when, you know, Aaron Jones uh, starts the second half and uh, runs for 60 yards. And, you know, I mean, it, it, I like I said, going into this matchup, you know, the Rams did not, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to get into a shootout with this Packers offense and come out with the win. And, you know, I felt like, you know, the defense of the Rams, you know, that you have to give them credit. You know, they gave, they gave the off their offense, you know, a few chances towards the end of the game where you could feel like, you know, if this Rams offense maybe converts here, does the momentum switch, put a little bit of pressure on Aaron Rodgers and that offense because they hadn't been feeling pressure all afternoon. And unfortunately, you know, the, the offense of the Rams just like couldn't, they just couldn't convert. And um, unfortunately, when you score zero points in the fourth quarter of a game that you're trying to come back, um, let alone come back on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it's going to be tough to win. You know, Devontae Adams was held to under 100 yards, but, you know, he still had, uh, he still left his mark on this game with 100 yards. And, you know, that touchdown that was just, I, I felt like it was drawn to perfection. I know the Packers have ran this a few times, but, um, you know, it's it's hard to communicate. You could see you you could see Jalen Ramsey visibly uh, visibly frustrated after that play, as you know they motioned Devontae to the left side and then um, they motioned him back to the right. But as soon as he crossed the center, it's he goes into a full on sprint and Aaron Rodgers heights it very quickly and just tosses it out there. You know, if there's no communication. That's going to be a touchdown every time. You know, I think that's what Jalen Ramsey was trying to tell. I don't know which defender was right there on Lazard. But if if that defender sees Devontae Adams in motion sprinting like that, if he is, you know, because like I said, the Packers have ran this play before. If if he's able to, to identify the fact that Devontae Adams is in a full-on sprint right there, maybe he can undercut that route, boom, run for a 100-yard interception. But I think, you know... And when you're on the one yard line, you're in a man to man like they were with the, you know, as a two receiver sets with on the goal line, you know, he's guarding Alan Lazard. Like what, what happens if he undercuts that? But Aaron Rodgers is such a great quarterback. What if he pumps that just hits Lazard? You know, there's just so much communication that would have had to happen for that to even have worked. So I can understand why Jalen Ramsey was frustrated. But at the same time, I feel like it was just a, you know, a really um, well sought of well thought of play and you know the Packers were really just able to stick to their game plan early continue to run the ball like down the Rams Rams throat like I said and you know I I feel like that was able to set up those bigger plays as well I mean Lazard like um he had a he he had a six receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown he he could have had two touchdowns but um that first one was dropped he did make up for it um, but yeah, I mean, the Packers just stuck to their game plan. And like I said, uh, whoever was able to stick to their game plan and if the Packers were able to get that lead and kind of make it a two possession game, put the pressure on the Rams, that's exactly where they wanted them. And that's where they had them. And, you know, the Packers ended up coming out with the victory. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Cam Akers did do his thing. He had 18 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. You know, he also added that two-point conversion. Um, that was de it was it was from the uh, Miami Dolphins. I don't know if, if you guys had saw that, but it was definitely a well well uh, drawn up play by Sean McVay. Um, you know, that was definitely the point of the game where you felt like you know if this Rams defense can get another stop, which they did, you know, can this Rams uh, offense really do this? But, I mean, Jared Goff, you know, he, he 
he just had an okay outing, you know, it was 21 for 27, 174 yards and a touchdown, you know, like now there's, um, now there are, um, you know, reports from, uh, what's it called from, I don't, I don't remember who reported this this morning. I, I saw, but it's, um, that Sean McVay and, uh, Jared Goff's relationship is strained at the moment. I don't know if this has been an ongoing thing or if, uh, you know, this has to do with the, how Jared Goff played yesterday, um, you know, but it seems to be that um, their relationship is not great at the moment. They need some, um, you know, one-on-one time. They need some counseling. And, um, you know, in my honest opinion about this situation, I um, I feel as if, um, you know, Jared Goff will be the quarterback next season uh, to start it off. But I, I really wouldn't be surprised if there – if um, there aren't any improvements by him, uh, you know, being able to push the ball up the fields, um, Jared Goff's ability to kind of just take over a game. Um, I feel like if there aren't any, any improvements, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some changes, um, starting with the, uh, 20, 2022 season. But I, I feel as if Jared Goff definitely has at least one, maybe two more seasons to prove himself as this Ram, as, as this Rams quarterback, but like I said, who knows? Their relationship seems to be strained, though. But you know, I, I I feel as if if Jared Goff can get back to that Super Bowl team, I I feel like that Rams offense when they had their Super Bowl run, you know, they were they were just pushing it up the fields. You know, they were they were able to set up those play action passes where Jared Goff would just be able to sling it. But I felt like this year they relied so much on this screen game. Sometimes they would get these big plays down the field, but I, I don't I don't feel like um you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they switched up their steam a little bit, but I felt like Jared Goff just wasn't slinging it as well this year. I don't know if, you know, uh something happens where, you know, kind of like Drew Brees is, you know, I, I just don't feel like Jared Goff is like that old. He should still be able to throw the ball down the field. You know, I felt like the Rams defense um kept them in a lot of games this season and you know, it was kind of just up to the offense to convert. And I mean, when you're when your defense is playing that good, it's 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 easy, you know, to be able to not play with pressure. But once the pressure got on them this year, I felt like those were the games they did lose, including this one. So, you know, that's why I feel like, you know, in this game, regardless of the momentum of the Rams and, uh, you know, however, however much, uh, you know, you could feel the game kind of swinging. Uh, you know, you can never really count the Packers out because that was just like, in my opinion, the separation of the quarterback play. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline. And I mean, maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, you, you, you know, are only down one score to the Packers and you just get the ball back to Jared Goff in that Rams offense. I feel like a couple of years ago, I would be saying, damn, this Rams team is probably going to win the game right now. But this year, I felt like regardless of anything that was going right for the Rams, I felt like. Aaron Rodgers was such a better quarterback that he was going to find a way to win regardless of what Jared Goff could do. And it ended up being Jared Goff kind of giving the game to the Packers at the end and not being able to move the ball um, in the first place. So it's like exactly to my point, you know, he wasn't even able to convert when it mattered most. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but shout out to the Packers for advancing to the NFC championship game for the second year in a row. Um, I, I was very surprised to hear that Aaron Rodgers has never hosted an NFC championship game at Lambeau field before. So I think that'll come in handy. I think, uh, having their fans there as well. I think this is going to be huge for Aaron Rodgers and, um, his career, as I know how much, you know, those fans and Lambeau and just being the quarterback for that team means to him. And I, I think he wants to win so badly in front of those, those, you know, diehard Packer fans that I think that'll, that'll definitely, uh, go in their favor. And, you know, w- let's, let's hope for the best, uh, shout out to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, like I said, though, moving on though, we, um, you know, to the, uh, Saturday night game that was the Bills and the Ravens. The Bills ended up defeating the Ravens 17 to three. Um, to be honest, it was definitely all Josh Allen in this one for the Bills. I mean, they, I think I don't remember how many um 
plays they started with passes but they ended the game with 37 passes and nine rushes and i mean most of those rushes came at the ending uh closing moments of the game i mean anybody that watched the game uh let me know i think it was like you they started the game with like 20 to 21 passes straight i mean that man finished with uh two but he only finished with 206 yards and a touchdown uh stefan did's balled out again of course eight receptions for 106 yards and a touchdown um, Stephon Diggs, the only player in the NFL this year with nine games of 100-plus yards receiving. I thought that was interesting. I felt like Devontae Adams maybe could have been in that category as well. But the Bills keep rolling. Their their offense, I mean, you saw they just kept taking shots at the end. You know, with six minutes left, they're still they're only up 17-3. to three. Um, You know what I mean? That momentum can sw still switch that Ravens side. But, I mean, instead of playing conservative like most teams would, a.k.a. the Chargers, um they just kept slinging it they did not care um you could see how much confidence brian dabble and that uh bill's offense has in josh allen and i felt i felt like that was um kind of just the you know what the bills had a little bit more of in this game i felt like um in the right moments the bills were able to do what they do and i feel like the ravens just felt short not because of how they played i felt like they played you know Still, they I felt like they still played pretty good. I just felt like there was just some unfortunate things that happened to them that went in the Bills' favor. I mean, Lamar finished 14 to 24 with uh, 162 yards, but he did only rush for 34 yards um, before um, before being ruled out with a concussion, and then obviously t uh, Tyler Huntley replaced him. But I mean, uh, what I mean by Things going in the Bills' favor. I mean, the win was a huge factor in this game. I, I know that there were some throws that maybe Josh Allen missed because of the wind. But at the same time, two of Justin Tucker's kits were hit off the goalpost, which is so completely rare. There were a couple punts that were 30 yards at the most for the Ravens. Some deep passes that were just, like I said, completely affected by the wind. Uh, the wind. And then, obviously, the 101-yard you know, interception where the game could have been turned to a 10 to 10 game, maybe, you know, put some pressure on Josh Allen. He, they, like I said, the bills didn't have the best offensive showing, but they did just enough to win. And when the, you know, critical momentum plays happens, I'd say about 80% of 80 to 90% of them went in the bills favor, which was, you know, those, those field goals, and then, obviously, the huge play that, like I just mentioned, the 101-yard interception return um, was definitely a dagger, I'd say, for the Ravens. Um, but, I mean, even even then, uh, Huntley almost hit um, Hollywood Brown for that huge touchdown on fourth down. And then, like I just mentioned, the wind pushed that ball forward and, you know, turned it over on down. And, you know, it, it was unfortunate for the Ravens. I, I felt like that game was a lot closer than the score reflects. You know, I, I felt like the Ravens were moving the ball uh, pretty good the entire game. And I and then, you know, if it wasn't for a few missed kits, it wasn't for Lamar trying to force that in there with the interception. Who knows how that game goes? You know, it's definitely an unfortunate end to the season for um, Lamar and the Ravens. But... I really feel like, uh, you know, this is this is a great set moving forward. They, they learned, to, I mean, I don't want to say they learned how to win in the playoffs, but they got over that hump. It's always good to get that first win in the playoffs. You know, know you can do it when you get there. And I, I just have no doubt that Lamar and that offense will figure it out. Um, I know Marquise Hollywood-Brown was saying that, you know, there, there needs to be better balance. They're number one in rushing and they're 30th in passing and you know like i i definitely agree with him i feel like there needs to be a, a you know a bigger balance for them to be a bigger threat i think everybody knows when they're playing the ravens they're gonna have to stop the run which the bills did um and they're gonna have to stop lamar's jatson's ability to make those crazy plays where he can you know get out of the pocket and move um and the bills did that you gotta give credit to it but at the same time if um that if if lamar and, and their offense uh, figures out a way to kind of level up in the passing game, I feel like that offense will be unstoppable, really, and they can definitely be competing with the Bills, the Chiefs, you know, all those great AFC teams. I feel like they're right there, um, but there's something that needs to be changed. I don't know if they need to add another playmaker. I don't know if Lamar just needs to, 
you know, level up a little bit more. Just like, you know, I'm not saying he's an awful quarterback. I'm just saying that, you know, with every year, you know, you obviously get better at the quarterback position. You are able to see defenses better. You are able to just feel more confident in yourself and the reads that you're making. So maybe Lamar just needs, an, you know, he needed this year to kind of still develop on his own. We'll see, though. I, I have the utmost faith in Lamar and the Ravens. I feel like they're a great team. They're well coached, and they will 100% be back. So, um, yeah, no, I, no, no discredit towards them in their season. Um, but shout out to the Bills, man. They're they're back in the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1993. Uh, you know, you just try to feel good for Bills Mafia. Like, you know, all the things that they went through in the Jim Kelly era, losing four straight Super Bowls, not really having a winning team for the past 20 years, and just getting smoked by the Patriots in the AFC East. And, you know, now they're back. Now, they're, now, now they have an opportunity. I mean, we'll see how um, Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs team holds up if Patrick Mahomes can actually play this week. Um, you know, because if, if Patrick Mahomes can't play, that's a huge advantage for the Bills. And we'll see, you know, we'll get into that more later. But, um, you know, shout out to the Bills, you know, back in the AFC Championship. And, I mean, they had an amazing gesture towards Lamar Jackson. Like I said, he uh, left the game with a concussion. But uh, there, I think, uh, last I checked, they were at 300 and. Uh, $9,000 donated to Lamar Jackson's charity in support of um, just a, you know, get better soon and donating to his charity. I, you know, we've seen this happen from Bill's Ma the Bill's Mafia in the past. And I, I felt like that was just something that I had to mention. That's, you know, even in winning efforts, they're still uh, great, great sports that, you know, it's, it's obviously, of course, they're hyped. You could see, um, and those fans that were there, they were just so excited. You know, it, it was so loud. They had to make the Ravens go to a, a silent count. It's, you know, I felt like, you know, teams forgot what a silent count even was from this season, playing with no fans. So, you know, it's it's definitely um, you got it got to be feel good for them. But at the same time, they're the fact that they were able to give back to Lamar's charity. Like, what what an amazing gesture by them. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how they can pan out next week in the AFC Championship game. But, you know, let's move on into Sunday's matchups. The first matchup was obviously the Chiefs and the Browns, where the Chiefs were able to hold on against the Browns 22-17. to um, Obviously, the storyline of the game was the Chiefs had no Mahomes in the second half. Uh, you know, I felt as if the game was looking to get out of hand. Um, you know, the Browns weren't really able to convert. Um and obviously there was that controversial, in my opinion, helmet to helmet hit, which uh, caused, I'm pretty sure it was Higgins on the play of the Browns when he was extending for the end zone to um, end up having a, a touchback, you know, but as soon as Mahomes got out, obviously, you know, you're taking out, you know, if not the, you're taking out basically the face of the league. And of course, that's going to be a dagger in the Chiefs hearts. And the Browns were able to convert with that Cream Hunt and then obviously get the ball back. But I felt as if they were right there and they just could not take the game. And it, it was it was really frustrating, I'm sure, for Browns fans. Um, you know, they they have that helmet to helmet, like I just mentioned, and then they have the huge interception when uh, Chad Henney threw it to the end zone, and then they had to punt the ball back unfortunately because the offense couldn't take advantage of it and then after they punted the ball back you know Tyree Hill had that ridiculous catch with one hand and then they challenged it so they wasted a timeout there and then you know on that third and 13 rush Chad Henney got it all the way to a fourth and one I you know arguably could have been a first down but you know those plays are hard to review and challenge as well and then, I mean, Andy Reid Reed gives zero, zero fucks. I mean, even Tony Romo and Jim Nance were saying, you know, that's, I feel like if you're an NFL fan, you've seen uh, teams, you know, when it's rolling down to, when it's rolling down to two minutes or, you know, on a fourth and one and they're on like the 40 or 50, they stay out there trying to get a hard count in and then they'll run off the field, take the five yards or, um, and punt it. But I mean, Andy Reid, he said, nah, I don't care if, you know, Mahomes isn't in the game. Chad Henney just got us to this fourth and one. You know, we're going to, I mean, the, it, it looks, as Tony Romo said, it looked like they weren't really even like lined up for a play, but a little quick out to Tyreek Hill, boom, game over. 
what a game. Uh, what a what a call by Andy Reid. The the guts. I mean, sometimes you got to do that to uh, be at the level he is. I mean, he's the first coach to um, have two teams go to a championship game three years in a row. So I mean, I feel like he is. Um, he knows what he's doing at the end of the day. But um, you know, Baker finished with two hundred four yards passing and a touchdown, um, and an interception, and then. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they carried for 19 times for 102 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Mahomes only played for two and a half quarters, but he still managed to finish with 255 yards and a touchdown. And obviously, um, Henny came in and he went six for eight for 66 yards in a, a pick in his uh, relieving effort of Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a crazy stat game, but that's kind of what you uh, see in these playoffs. And it gets, uh, you know, every possession starts to matter. You don't really see these crazy 500, 400-yard games. But Travis Kelsey, um, you know, still played. I, I feel like Travis Kelsey is just on, on another world compared to some of these other tight ends. Um, you know, he has 12 games this year with a touchdown or 100-plus receiving yards. Um and yeah, he, I mean, his touchdown catch was just ridiculous. I mean, they you push them back. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like a second and 19 on like the 22 yard line, and it was just he completely burns. I think it was Denzel Ward, and he broke his ankles, and then he just completely flips over two people because he's just that big, and he scores that touchdown. So what a play by him! Uh, he's been playing lights out all season. Shout out to Travis Kelsey. I I love the way he plays, even as a Chargers fan. I think he's um, I, I think he has the, the poss you know, the chance to be one of the greatest tight ends, if not the greatest of all time. I feel like he's, you know, itching closer and closer every single year. If he's playing at this high of a level, continuing to break him and George Kittle's records, it's just ridiculous. So shout out to Travis Kelsey. You know, I, I just can't, like I said, I just, I really can't decide if the Browns got outplayed or outcoached or, I mean, I don't know. They just didn't have enough luck or I, I don't know. I, I just felt like there were, like I said, there were some plays that, definitely sucked like the touchback and like Chad Henney somehow scrambling for 13 yards but at the same time it's like where was the Browns defense just not that good or I, I don't know it, it was just definitely unfortunate um and it just felt like the Chiefs uh were getting all of those deciding plays when it when it really mattered so you know that's an unfortunate unfortunate end to the Browns season but I really feel like there's nothing to be nothing to be mad about as a Browns fan. I mean, this is your first winning season since 2007. This is your first playoff burst since 2002, and your first playoff win since 1994. I mean, and then on top of that, you had 12 wins this season. You know, all of those have been you know that's since since 12 wins is the most since 1994 as well. So, you know, what a year by Baker Mayfield. I mean, everybody was uh, you know talking about how him and Odell weren't working towards the beginning of the season and how, you know, it was just going to be controversy after controversy. And I felt like every time something was going good for the Browns, I don't know if they were like six and two or seven and two, every single headline was still negative, but yet they still went into Pittsburgh. They still beat the Steelers in dominating fashion. They still had a chance to beat Kansas city. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out, but what a season by the Browns, you know, you, you got to respect it. Shout out to the Dodd Pound. I know there's so much to be excited about, and I hope you guys can keep OBJ. You know, hopefully him and Baker can get on the same page. But if not, if you guys end up trading OBJ, hopefully you guys can get a lot in return and just cash uh, cash in on some of the other you know aspects of your football team that you need uh, work with. So yeah, I I think the Browns are on the up from here, and it's really it's really cool to see for sure. Um, and then the last game of the division. The divisional rounds playoffs came between the Butts and the Saints, and they got some revenge. I mean, they ended up beating the Saints 30 to 20. Um, obviously, this game consisted of, you know, in my personal opinion, the great, the two greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I mean, in their NFL ranks, they go back and forth of one and two in touchdowns, yards, completions, Pro Bowls, game-winning drives, and first downs. Um, and I, I, I mean, Drew Brees is, uh, he has 20, you know, he's one of the only quarterbacks to ever have, or he's one of the quarterback, one of the two quarterbacks to have 25 plus touchdowns in every season since 2004. The only reason that Tom Brady isn't with him right there is because Tom Brady did tear his ACL 
in uh, 2008 or 2009, and he's the Nets quarterback in that line as well. And, I mean, even before the game, there were some um, rumors going around that this is Bree's finals game in the Superdome. He is 100% retiring. Um, this is Tom Brady's 43rd playoff game at 43. So, I mean, just going into this game alone, there's so many storylines. This is the first time that these two quarterbacks are facing in the playoffs. Obviously, up to this point, they could only faced off in the Super Bowl, um, with Tom Brady being the AFC for 20 years. I mean, this game was pretty even until the, um, until halftime, it, you know, it was going back and forth. Uh, you know, I felt like it was uh, the both kickers had they were two for two. There was the touchdown. The Saints came out fired. Uh, you know, they 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 were up twenty to thirteen, and then uh, they their defense had a huge stop. And then Tom Brady, I mean not Tom Brady, and then Drew Brees came down. They were moving the ball again, and I I felt like after Jared Kutz fumbled, that was just when everything went wrong. I mean, the Nets three possessions were two interceptions and a punt to the Butts and. They just, I mean, the Buccaneers just kept capitalizing. I, I got to give credit to that. You know, obviously the defense can do everything they can, but football is definitely all phase sport. And the score went from 20 to 13 to 30 to 20, you know, just over that last uh, quarter and a half very slowly. And you could kind of just feel the game getting out of the Saints hands. And I felt like that's happened in the past few years to the Saints. I just feel bad feel bad for their fans, feel bad for them as an organization. I feel like they've had the talent, they've had the pieces, and somehow, some way, no matter how much momentum goes their way, um, you know, it just, it just ends up crumbling at the end. So it definitely sucks. If that is Drew Brees' last game in the Superdome, he he doesn't get his fairy tale ending uh, as he just finished 19 for 34 for only 134 yards and a touchdown and three interceptions. Uh, I mean, the storyline of the game was Michael Thomas uh, during the game was Michael Thomas was held to zero catches. I mean, even Jameis Winston had to come in for that lawn ball because Drew Brees just can't even throw that far anymore as well. So, yeah, it, it was definitely an unfortunate ending to the Saints season and possibly Drew Brees' career. But uh, Tom Brady played played great. I mean, you got to give it to him. He finished 18 for 33 for 199 yards and two touchdowns. And then, I mean, the two-headed monster of Fournette and Jones uh, had a great day. 30 carries, 125 yards. Uh, you know, you could just feel they were, that's exactly what that, that's exactly how that Butts team strives. I mean, they get those chunk yardages with those two running bats that just run so hard. Keep moving those feet. You know, I had both of them on my fantasy team, so I know that they'd be running hard. And yeah, it, and then it's like, boom, set up the play action passes, give, give Tom Brady those easy throws. I mean, he's one of the most accurate passers in NFL history, just like Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, it's, it's definitely this a recipe for success and they uh they took advantage of all of the saints turnovers just like the saints did in the early matchups this year i mean the, the buccaneers are turning the ball over in those games the saints were able to jump on them and as soon as the saints started making those turnovers boom the butts jumped on them and i mean the difference of the game this time was obviously no turnovers for the butts this the, in the last two matchups the saints had three turnovers in both of those games so you know flipping those turnovers to the other side obviously it's gonna be hard to win so yeah um i mean uh tom brady now has 32 playoff wins which ties the 49ers for the fifth most um playoff wins by a franchise you know he's only trailing the dallas cowboys who have 35 pittsburgh and green bay who have 36 and then obviously the patriots who have 37 I personally just don't think the Patriots would even be on here without Tom Brady. You know, I feel like those five. So, you know what I mean? If Tom Brady never played for the Patriots, maybe they win, you know, a few more playoff games. But they have 37 because of the man. So that's just a remarkable stat on its own. Um, the, Also, uh, what's it called? Tom Brady has now beaten 18 different teams in the playoffs, which is just ridiculous. Um, He ties Drew Brees with wins against NFC opponents in the in the playoffs, which is just remarkable being in the AFC for 20 years and you somehow have the same amount of wins against NFC opponents uh, as Drew Brees, one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and he now has 13 playoff game-winning playoff drives and he only has 11 playoff losses. So just all of these stats piling up for Tom Brady. 
um you know i i really enjoyed that um great moments they had post game with um you know both the quarterbacks and the breeze family you see tom brady throwing a touchdown to drew Brees' kids uh but yeah i i mean you know should drew Brees retire i i personally think he should i i mean you just you can see that it's you know i i feel like he can get the job done um, but at the same time, it's like when you, I think that's what's th- been the issue for the Saints. You know, I, like I mentioned, they've had some heartbreak in the playoffs. But if Drew Brees had the arm that he used to have, you know, do those heartbreaks go in another way? Possibly. You know, I know that the playbook can be open that much more. The fact that they stole that play um, that Jameis Winston came in for the from the Bears, and I mean Mitchell Trubisky threw that ball for the Bears. It wasn't like the Bears put in their backup quarterback to do it. It's, I just think it came down to Jameis Winston can th- make that throw, and you know I feel like he. I don't know. It's gonna be tough. I feel like his arm isn't the same, and like I said, he can get it done like in 70, 70 to seventy five percent in in that aspect, but. You know, that other 25%, if you can really open up the playbook, you know, you can allow Michael Thomas to run more than just slants and screens, and you can allow Alvin Kamara to, you know, not not uh, be so... I don't know. I feel like if you can open up the playbook, those screenplays to Alvin Kamara will be open that much more. Because, I mean, you know, in the regular season, it's different than the postseason. You know, in the postseason, it's... You know, a team, especially like a, a Buccaneers who's already seen you twice, they know exactly how to play you. And it, it's like if you can't make any adjustments, if you can't allow that playbook to open up a little more, it's going to be tough. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, it will, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Drew Brees didn't announce officially if he was retiring after the game. He said he'd take some time. But, you know, I personally, in my opinion, think that he should be retiring, yes. Moving into Championship Sunday, though. Obviously, both games will be played um, on January 24th, which is this upcoming week. We have the Butts at the Packers, which will be at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the last game will be Bills at the Chiefs, 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. I feel like these matchups are going to be great. I mean, you have the two um, goats of the league, and then you have the two young goats of the league going at each other. And, you know, what will be a um, great championship Sunday and then you know I feel like the Super Bowl will obviously be just as good as there will be one one old quarterback versus one new quarterback and yeah I mean what what more could you ask for you know my my hope going into these playoffs was a Bills and Packers Super Bowl and that can still happen so I really you know I mean I really hope that can happen do I think it's it can happen I think it'll it'll definitely come up to if Patrick Mahomes can can play but that has been my dream Super Bowl since the beginning Um, which is different than what I am predicting will happen. So, yeah, Um, like I said, though, great division, uh, great divisional round games for the NFL. Um, Shout out to those four teams that advanced. Um, But, yeah, Um, in other news, uh, the Chargers hired Brandon Staley late Sunday night um, to become the Nets head coach of the team. Uh, I mean, um, you know, I feel like they're this this uh, move was definitely met with a lot of controversy uh, from Chargers fans that, uh, I mean, obviously, um, Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams, for those of you who don't know, and um, he was uh, somebody that was going to be interviewed by the Eagles and I think another team, but the Chargers and him were able to reach an agreement uh, late Sunday night. Um, for those of you who don't know, you know, Staley was a um, high school quarterback in Ohio. He played at Dayton, and then he also has connected with quarterbacks at uh, community college, D1, D3, and the NFL levels. Um, so I feel like that's definitely um, a reason to be excited at the same time. I know that Brian Dabble was my number one and a lot of other people's number ones as Justin Herbert is 100% our future. And um, I think it was definitely a shock that we went with um, a defensive minded head coach. But I feel like Brandon Staley is that rare defensive coach who can see the game through the quarterback's eyes. I mean, you don't play quarterback there's not a lot of op- there's not a lot of people that have played quarterback and then become a defensive 
coordinator. And I feel like that is the reason why Brandon Staley was able to excel with the Rams. Being, you know, Jalen Ramsey saying that's his best defensive coordinator he's ever played for. Um, and I, I, I just feel like, you know, this this is something that, uh, you know, can – I think grow on chargers fans that aren't still liking this move and wish that we stuck with Brian Dabble. I mean, but the chargers have come out and said that this was their guy all along. I mean, obviously they made the deal the night after the Rams won. So I, I don't uh, see why they'd be lying about that. And I really did love all, all seeing all these players react. You know, you see DJ, you see uh, Kenneth Murray, you see Drew Tranquil, you see Keenan, all these players reacting, um, getting ready to go to work. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I think the concern uh, definitely going into this offseason wasn't going to be about the offense and Justin Herbert. And now I think um, with the news of uh, Brandon Staley as our new coach, I feel like it's not necessarily concern about the offense. I mean, Justin Herbert is already the man. Um, so I feel like this could still work out, especially if we surround the right people around him, if we keep Pep. You know, maybe we keep Steichen. I don't know. But I think, um, you know, creating less pressure for Justin Herbert to, you know, just continue to be the man and allow our defense to thrive that much more with Staley. Um, I think that that's still the recipe for success. I mean, reports were saying that Staley laid out an offensive plan. Um so I think like in, an offensive plan for Justin Herbert and what his expectations are. So I, I'm sure that helped him uh, be able to snap the job. And I, I'm sure that that plan wasn't just some, you know, BS unless he, you know, he wouldn't have done the job if that didn't happen. So, you know, I, like I said, I really did want dabble, uh, but I feel like the more I read about Staley and what he can bring to our organization and like in terms of a winning culture, I'm realizing that this is still a very good pickup. I know he only has four years of experience in the NFL, but I feel like um, at the end of the day, excuse me, it doesn't it doesn't matter too much. And I I think with time, Chargers fans will see that this is a great pickup by the organization. And yeah, I, I'm really I'm really excited. So yeah, let's let's um get into other news. Um, obviously a big another another big storyline in the league has been a there's been a growing sense um from people around the Texans organization that Deshaun Watson has uh, played his last snap for the team as first reported by um Adam Schefter um you know th these reports have been coming out since uh week 17 in the end of the season uh saying he's still angry about the team and the uh, insensitivity to social justice, the failure to interview Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Benimi when uh, he requested it. I mean, I know they they uh, later, um, you know, requested an interview, but it was it was definitely a little too little too late. Um, and he is open to waiving his no trade clause, uh, you know, for for teams that I mean, I think at the end of the day, there are only five teams that should not be calling the Tetsons about this possible trade. Uh, obviously, the Chargers are in that midst with Justin Herbert being the baller he is. The Chiefs don't don't need to worry about it. The Packers, I think that I know they drafted Jordan Love, but Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level, and he could probably play an MVP play an MVP level for the next four to five years. Um, the Bills, Josh Allen is great, and I think the Seahawks. I think those five teams, in my opinion, do not need to worry about going after Watson. But the other, you know, 26 teams definitely do. Uh, you know, Adam Schefter also reported that he, you know, was his his anger was at a two last offseason when DeAndre Hopkins was traded, and then now this offseason, it's at a 10. Obviously, J Deshaun Watson also tweeted, I was on a 2, and then I took it to a 10. He tried to um, make it seem as if that was just a music reference, but you know how players and, um, you know, just how players and people around the league in the NBA, like in any, in any I guess any celebrity, um, or what am I trying to say? I guess athletes use their social medias 
as ways to cryptically get their way out. I mean, you could see James Harden doing that with um, when he was trying to get his way out of Houston as well. So, you know, I, I, I just I feel as if Deshaun Watson, you know, he, I, I just don't think he has any plans to play for the Tetsons anymore. I think he really wants out. Um, you can see him liking uh, more and more photos about possible trade destinations um, by the day. I mean, there was a report that Nick Bosa could be included in a potential trade from the 49ers. Um, but I, I don't think that is the right way to go for the 49ers. I think that that's a great place to go for Deshaun Watson, but I don't necessarily think it's worth giving up Nick Bosa. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Deshaun Watson has definitely played his last step for the Tetsons. Um, and... I mean, shit, man. What happened to the Tetsons? I, I mean, I know that they had come up short plenty of times in the playoffs not having the right quarterback, but it seems as if they got their guy and now they're falling out from within. I mean, even J.J. Watt is going to be accommodated and traded by the Tetsons. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, where they go from here. You know, they're losing their franchise guy, a guy who is 100% a top five quarterback in the league. Somebody who could easily, who has been carrying this franchise, who can carry another franchise, who's worth, you know, two, three first round picks plus their quarterback plus other assets. Like this man is a, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. Like he is going to be um, the guy for whatever team gets him for the next 10 to 15 years. And um, unfortunately, the Tetsons didn't do the right job and they, they weren't able to keep him. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. You know, I'm sure there's going to be more and more updates leading up to where his possible destination uh, will be. But as of right now, I, I don't think the Tetsons get to keep him. And I, I think Deshaun Watson moves on. I feel like he waves his no trade clause. And, you know, somebody's going to be willing. I mean, literally any team that I did not mention should be willing to take on his salary cap. I mean, he's worth it. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay the man. He's, he's a top five quarterback in the lead. So, you know, make room for Deshaun Watson because uh, whatever team he get, whatever team gets Deshaun Watson will be scary next season and they will have a winning record because Deshaun Watson will be on his revenge tour and that is going to be a scary, scary, scary sight to see. But moving on, um, in music news uh, this past uh, Friday, there was a, a decent amount of uh, new music that I was able to listen to. Uh, this included uh, Juice World and Young Thud's new track, Bad Boy. I felt like it was a solid track. Um, wasn't anything uh, crazy or, you know, Nets level. I felt like it was just a solid track with Juice World and Thud. I really liked the visuals a lot. Um, the Baby released a single masterpiece. I thought that was a great song by the Baby. I felt like, um, you know, he continues to define, you know, when can you drop and, you know, if if it's still gonna be good music. Um, I th I thought that was also a great track. Um, Travis released a remix of Goosebumps. I don't know if this is anything uh, to think about or anything that will come up later you know, in the, in the album rollout for Utopia, or if he just got in the studio with this guy, I've never heard of the guy before. And he just decided to make a remix to it. Um, you know, but there, there were a few singles and then, uh, there was, there were more that I, I didn't really give a chance. Um, Rich, the kid really split. I haven't listened to that. Um, flow Millie dropped, um, funk master flats and, uh, dropped game time. So there were a few other singles that I didn't listen to, but the uh, main project that came out on Friday night was Div Division's uh, Amusing Her Feelings. I felt like this was a great project by Division. Um, w you know, I, I haven't learned the uh, song titles yet, but I felt like I love the way that, um, you know, each song was transitioning, uh, was, was, was able to transition with each other. I, I don't know. I, I, I felt like... Uh, divisions definitely leveled up. Um, you can kind of just tell that they are from OVO and that OVO sounds. I really enjoyed the production uh, throughout the whole thing. I feel like that's something that OVO has um, definitely prided themselves on throughout the years is the production. And it definitely did not disappoint. I'm going to have to give this project 100% a few more listens. Um, they definitely did their thing on this. 
and then today, Monday, um, Code of the Friend released uh, Lyrics to Go Volume 2, which is definitely kind of like a, just like an EP of, um, you know, different verses he has. It's 10 songs, but it's only a 15-minute project because each, it's only like a minute and a half song. So, you know, like I said, it's just like, you know, just a verse or two um, on each of these beats, and he definitely did his thing. Code of the Friend is in the studio right now working on his next album. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he just wanted to uh, I'm sure he just wanted to do something small like that. And, you know, towards uh, his his album release. So I thought that was great. Um, and then obviously on January 17th, which was over the weekend, it was um, the one year anniversary of Circles by uh, Mac Miller. One of uh, I mean, if not great you know the best album of 2020 um you know I, I what i don't know i don't know how it's only been a year you know i felt like when mac miller released circles uh last year it, it was just such a it, it was such a time to be alive if, if in and i'm like the cheesiest way but it, it was definitely a moment in my life where i finally realized that you know no matter what um you know Whoever likes me, whoever doesn't like me, you know, whatever I do, you know, it, it's all, it's all going to be okay. And Mac was really able to just see through all that bullshit. Um, you know, we talked about it a lot on our favorite albums of 2020 with my boys. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy that it's been a year. Um, you know, I, I know that Mac is flying high. I know he's already made a couple more studio albums in heaven um but yeah i can't believe it's been a year still still bump circles to this day still uh trying to learn more and more about myself and uh i think that's what mac was really able to give to me on this project as well is just that introspective thought you know i feel like i was kind of able to tap into that with swimming uh which is my favorite album of all time but i feel like with circles it took the lessons of swimming and made it so you realized no matter what or no matter how much you feel these ways, everything is going to be OK. You know, with swimming, it's like, shit, I am depressed. I am going through this type of thing. I am, you know what I mean? Like trying to fight through all these feelings in my head of anxiety and depression. And, you know, just like, why, though? Like, why am I feeling anxiety? Why am I feeling depressed? I have everything that I want and I feel on circles it was somebody that finally realized everything and, and was able to sit down and kind of give himself that introspective thought and just come to a lot of conclusions on his own, you know, and, and just be happy, you know, just, just, just be happy with himself, be happy with the person he is, uh, be happy with the person he's becoming. And that's, you know, something that I'll, I'll take from this album and I'll continue to take from this album and try to like learn, you know, from Matt. So can't believe it's been a year of circles, but that album means means the world to me. Um, in other music news tonight at 5 p.m., it is Yams Day. R.I.P. Uh, ASAP Yams. It's been six years. Wow. Just just crazy. I remember I remember um, when when ASAP Yams died. And he passed away from an accidental overdose six years ago. It, it was definitely um, just one of those moments in music, uh, music history where, you know, the music industry all just kind of stopped and was just shocked. You know, it, it was it was definitely an unfortunate uh, turn of events for ASAP Yams. Um, but uh, I'm really happy that ASAP Rocky and the crew have created Yams Day, you know, a day to celebrate. I love seeing his family there to um always uh you know be with be with them always at this day as well because you know asapm's memory deserves to be cherished forever and just forever forever indebted to that man so um i'm excited for for this because there are going to be some yammies uh, i thought that was funny but um let, let me just read these these awards off I, i'm gonna give you my thoughts on these awards i mean there's a ladies award uh the nominations are cardi b city girls Flo Millie, Mulata, Princess Nokia, Rico Nasties, uh, and Yanya May. Um, I 
the thing about these awards that I don't understand, I don't know if this is just, you know, the best lady artist, you know, the, the best, the best, uh, from these artists. So, I mean, if I were to choose, I, I don't really know. I don't really listen to any of these artists. Um, but I wish there would be like a, a little description for these awards as I go into these, because some of them just have random names. Like the next one is the Lamborghini high award. I don't know if this is the person who can outsmoke all of the ASAP crew or who gets the highest. I don't know. But the nominations for these ones are the baby, a uh, little baby, Megan, the stallion somehow got on there. NBA young boy and Griselda. Um, and then the big odd award is a uh, baby team, Drake, Flatbush zombies, slow tide, Tizo touchdown, Travis and, uh, Gene Dawson. The new level award is Cardi B, Lil Dirk, Lil Yachty, Young Thug and Tyga. And then the last award is the Hella Flows Award. And that is between the baby, G Herbo, Gunna, Lil Uziver, MIA, uh, Babyface, Polo G, Sada Baby, and Young Thud. Um, I think these Yammies will just be fun. Excuse me. I'm really looking forward to tuning in. I think it'll just be a good time for the music culture and uh, just just a way to, you know, decompress. I, I you know, this, you know, it is 2021, but damn, it still does feel like 2020. Um, you know, we're still locked up. We're still trying to still try to move forward in our life, uh, past, past COVID. So, you know, I think this will just be a lot of fun celebrating the, uh, legacy that ASAP Yams left behind and just having a good time. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be performances as there, you know, obviously Yams Day is, is like a, a, a festival, um, a music concert that I've been wanting to go to. So I don't I'm, I'm assuming there will be performances, um, on top of these awards, I, I feel like that would just be weird if there wasn't, um, you know, ASAP Rocky, uh, what's it called? He, on, on, in other news for ASAP Rocky, he did clear his Insta and he did post this. So I feel like maybe this can be a start of a new era in his career. So, and then, I mean, all of these Insta videos that, um, um, what's it called? The ASAP mob have just been posting when they're just running the streets of New York and Harlem uh, promoting ASAP, uh, I mean, promoting Yams Day, it's just been hilarious, so I feel like, um, it's definitely something that's going to be a lot of fun tonight, I feel like, uh, you know, it could be a a start of a new era for, uh, many people in the ASAP, uh, crew, and I, I'm really excited to tune in for sure, in, uh, remembrance of ASAP Yams, but moving on to the NBA, um, obviously the, Bit story of the um, NBA in the past week has been the James Harden trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, in his first game, uh, he had a he was the first player in NBA history to have a thirty point triple double in the first game with his new team, which I thought was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, I I think that um I'm trying to find yeah. So when James Harden was I haven't I haven't been able to talk about this. So his first quote before the game regarding the whole rocket situation was I wasn't disrespectful to anyone. I just made a comment that a team as a whole wasn't good enough to compete for a title. And at this stage of his career, that's what he would have loved. Obviously, um, this caused some major controversy with um, Boogie Cousins, with John Wall not wanting to, you know, is he going to give up on us already? And it even caused some controversy from Shaq saying, you know, when you say you gave your city your all, you know, that's just not true. When it came time to show up, he didn't show up. Um, if you, if you, um, what's it called? If he doesn't win a championship this year with Brooklyn, then the trade is a bust. I know I've talked about how this trade will be a bust in my opinion. I don't think if they, I think if they win this year, it's not a bust yet, but it's definitely a dagger. But um, I thought that was interesting. James Harden obviously responded uh, which say was saying that, um, you know, we do all this talking about uplifting the Nets African-American athlete and some of these ex NBA players use national TV to do the opposite. I see it. And I just stay to myself, the real never lose and salute to Dane, uh, Dwayne Wade, because Dwayne Wade did come out and, uh, say something to, um, just, uh, uplift James Harden, say it, it was good to see him happy in his first game with the Nets. But, I mean, at the end of the day, James Harden got his way out of Houston. I, I don't feel like there's really any reason to 
um, look into it that much more. I mean, the fact that he looked extremely overweight and then not extremely overweight, but, you know, overweight to in comparison to where, where he was at in the bubble. And then as soon as he was with the Brooklyn Nets, he was back to normal. I don't know if he was putting on extra clothing, but James Harden got his way out of Houston. I don't feel like there's really any way, any reason to continue to look into the situation. He's not on the Rockets anymore. He's with the Nets. I think it's time to move forward. I think it's time to talk about how dynamic um, this duo can be. You know, we talked about AD and LeBron and that new duo that happened last year. And I mean, Katie and James Harden, they're, they're in their you know primes now and they weren't like that before. And seeing them play the way they did and you add Kyrie to that, if Kyrie can somehow find his way back to the court, obviously um, because of his uh, massless party, uh, he was fined $50,000 and then he had a quarantine for five days, which uh, made him forfeit his salary for those two games that, uh, went on during that time uh, when he had to quarantine. So he ended up losing about $870,000. Um, but, you know, Kyrie's going to be Kyrie. I don't know if if this man really wants to play basketball like I've talked about before. Um, but if he can play at the level that he did with the Cavs where it's it, it was like he was a, the protege of Kobe and just, um, you know, add that layer to this Nets and... I just don't know how they're going to be stopped. Obviously, their defense needs to be talked about. Um, they're 15th in the league right now in defensive efficiency, so I think that's definitely the area that they need to address if they want to have any chance against this Lakers team. You know, I don't want to be biased, but the Lakers are number one in defensive efficiency. You can see how they were down by 15 uh, to the Pelicans last Friday night when they got the 112-95 to victory to extend their winning streak to five and, you know, be 11-3 and on the year. Uh, you could see when they were down by 15, boom, they picked up their defensive intensity. All of a sudden, the game was completely different. They held the Pelicans to only 37 points in that second half. Um, and they, they, like I said, they just went on a defensive tear at the end. The Nets right now don't have that second gear. They don't have, you know, oh, shit, we need to make some stops. We're down by 15. And then, boom, within three minutes, we're only down by seven. We're only down by five. The Nets don't have that right now but the Lakers do. And I feel like that's why I'm still giving the advantage to the Lakers. I mean, even the Clippers, you know, they're 10 and four. They're on a four game winning streak. They won the past game by 38 and 34. That is defensive efficiency. That is why I would, you know, think of the Clippers at the moment right now, 14, 15 games into the season as a bigger threat to the Lakers. The Clippers have been playing great defense the past few games. I mean, you don't just win by 38 and 34 without playing good defense. Um, you can only get lucky so much. So yeah, that's definitely what the Nets need to work on. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to for, you know, most of these super teams that have those two guys, Paul George and Kawhi, AD and LeBron. Um, I mean, not, I mean, the Nets do have three guys, but at the moment they only have Harden and KD. It's going to come down to whoever plays better defense. You know, these guys can put the ball in the net at a higher rate than literally anybody else in the entire world. That is why they are the best players in the NBA. That is why they are the best players in the world. That's why they get paid $40 million, $50 million a year because that's what they do. They score the basketball. But if you can't guard anybody, what's gonna? who's going to guard LeBron? Who's going to guard AD? Who's going to stop them? Who's going to, you know what I mean? Who's going to be that person to make sure I'm checking these guys? I, I'm going to make sure that they know we're here right now. I'm going to make sure that they know Nobody's going to stop us. I don't know who's going to do that on the Nets. I know that Kawhi can can do that for LeBron. You know, I don't know who's going to guard AD on the Clippers. But at the same time, I know that the Clippers can turn it up defensively better than the Nets. And that is exactly why they are a bigger threat in my eyes. But we will see. We are only 14, 15 games in, like I said. But, um, you know, tonight, LeBron and Steph face off for the first time. Um for in a Warriors versus Lakers uh, this season. I think it'll be a great game. Um, you know, I don't really buy into this LeBron and Steph rivalry. I don't think there's really a rivalry there. I just think they ended up facing each other four times in the, in the finals. Um, you know, maybe there's a, I don't, I don't think there's a rivalry though. I don't think that there's any, you know, hard feelings or anything, but I think it'll be a great matchup. Like I said, the fact that Luka Doncic, by the way, is only 21. I that just scares me. This man erupted for 37 and 5 in the first half. He did only finish with 36, 16, and 15. But still, are you kidding me? That man is 21. 
he's gonna tear the lead. He's gonna continue to tear the lead up. I wouldn't be surprised if he won MVP this year, um, and for years to come. I think that Mavs team needs to continue to develop with him. I feel like that's great. You know, once Porzingis gets healthy, once you know some of these other pieces continue to just develop around him, this Mavs team can be very scary. Once you know these other teams like the Lakers, I feel like once these late, you know, obviously when you're when you're a championship team. It's super hard to maintain that, you know, there's so much constant change in the NBA with players getting older and, you know, just the change. I know the Lakers had a lot of good offseason additions, and I feel like that can sustain us for four to five, six more years. But at the same time, it's like what happens when that fourth, fifth year comes around? Um, you know what I mean? What's going to happen? And I feel like this Mavs team is the first team that I can truly say like could possibly take over the lead once these teams like the Clippers and the Nets and the Lakers start to kind of fall apart and you know some of the pieces go different ways or retire um you know because if Luka keeps developing with these guys there's I, I don't know I feel like they can be like the Nets Warriors if they you know all develop together all you know continue to get that experience together Luka you know, he could be like LeBron and just completely carry his team to the finals if it's the right year, you know? So I, I'm really excited to see what this man does. Um, But for this year, I really hope that it's a Clipper, Laker, Western Conference final, like I said, because their defensive efficiency is just ridiculous lately. And that is going to be the, the storyline of, of the season for most of these teams with superstars. So, yeah. um, But, yeah, besides that, I hope you guys are all having – um, yeah, I hope you guys all have a great rest of your Monday. Thank you for tuning in to episode eight of the Gina Spirito podcast. I'm really um, excited to uh, catch you all next on on Wednesday, the 20th. But uh, yeah, hope you guys all have a rest, a great rest of your day. Um, thank you for tuning in.